You're listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers Includes, international law firm Trowers and Hamlin's diversity and inclusion program. So, hello, everybody. May I introduce Rue Anwar, who is a new partner in our real estate department working out of Manchester, who is joining us today for a heritage podcast for Trowers Includes. And I'm delighted you can join us, Rue. Hello, Rue. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, Rue, so the reason we're asking you to contribute to this podcast today is because you have some really interesting insights in terms of heritage and in terms of, of mental health that we're hoping you can share with other colleagues at Trows and Hamlins. And can I first of all congratulate you uh, heartily on your partnership? Thank you. And I was wondering whether you can uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Um, first of all, your professional role, but also uh, maybe a little bit about your background and heritage and any challenges you faced in terms of your family and mental health. Thanks, Helen. Um, yeah, so I'm a partner, as you say, in the investment and development team here in Manchester. I've been with Trowers for three years now. Um, and I'm uh, coming up to 20 years qualified, which is slightly terrifying. Um, in terms of my background, uh, my parents are of Pakistani heritage, so I am British Pakistani. My uh, father came here in the early 60s to work in the mills um, in the northwest, and my mother joined him about eight years later. Um, my mum didn't speak English and doesn't read or write English and had no family here. So it was quite a lonely experience. Um, my parents moved to Huddersfield in the late 1960s and my father worked in various jobs, um, in, uh, after the mill, he worked as a security guard, uh, worked on the buses and eventually, um, bed borrowed and stole, not literally, um, money to start a small business here in Huddersfield. Um, my mum had six children, of which I'm the second. Um, and as I say, she had quite a lonely existence in many ways. I didn't really know very many people. Um, and sadly, when she had my um, younger sister, um, so I would have been about eight, um, she suffered with a combination of postnatal depression bordering on postnatal psychosis. Um, she didn't have a support network, as I've said, and therefore it was really difficult for her. It was undiagnosed for quite a long time. It manifested itself in quite extreme ways, um, including her going missing on a couple of occasions and um, being sectioned. That was eight. And um, it must have been very hard. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was. I don't think I really comprehended what was happening at the time because my dad, God bless his soul, tried to sort of not make light of it, but almost like, oh, she'll be back tomorrow when she went missing and things like that. And, you know, we were quite young. And um, I had an older sister and a younger brother, but we were quite close in age. So, you know, my dad worked in the shop. We lived behind the shop. My mum was missing. He just worked and we just waited for her to come home, which she did. Wow. That's tough, isn't it? And presumably it, it wasn't very easy for your mother if, you know, if, if she wasn't an, 
an English native speaker? Oh, yeah. She couldn't reach out to anyone, really. Um, She didn't have friends of her own culture and background, really, either. She spent most of her time bringing us up and then helping my dad in the shop. Um, And times were very different then, I think, to what they are now. And there weren't support groups for, you know, people of different backgrounds and whatnot. And even when she was sectioned, I don't really think she knew what was going on. She was heavily sedated most of the time. I remember going to visit her. And I didn't understand why she was there. It's only sort of, you know, many years later, I dotted the I's and crossed the T's and worked out she'd been sectioned and was in a facility. So, yeah, it was it was just, looking back now, it must have been heartbreaking for her. Um, it must have been. And the thing that really comes through, doesn't it, is the issue that mental health has been so terribly stigmatised. And, you know... We need to remember that I think every family has someone who will suffer mental health issues at some point in their life. And I think it's really important for colleagues to know that that one can talk about it, that it, it needn't be stigmatised. What do you feel about that? Um, absolutely. Um, I used to work in my role as a solicitor for a mental health trust, a foundation trust in Rotherham. And I remember picking up a leaflet one day on a client visit where it said one in four of us will suffer from some form of mental health issue, which is a ridiculous amount. But that's from across the spectrum. It's sort of, you know, from sort of having the blues in the morning to being sectioned. But I think, um, I think it's one of those topics that to remove the stigma, you must talk about it if you feel that you can, because otherwise that stigma will continue and people will regard it as something of the other almost and, you know, to be afraid of. And it really isn't. It's no different to breaking your arm or breaking your leg. It's just sadly a longer road to recovery sometimes, but it's no one's fault. Um, And, you know, I've always shared my story. If it's, you know, come up in conversation and I'm not embarrassed to do so, Um, because I should shine a light on it, really. Yes, exactly. Uh, So why do you think, I mean, there has been this traditional model of keeping one's professional and one's personal life just completely separate and never, ever talking about one's personal life or uh, issues at work. And do you feel that's changed? Do you think it's different at Trowers in any way? Um, I think it's changed massively. In the profession, as I say, I've been qualified nearly 20 years and that sort of stiff upper lip when I first qualified and that's changed a lot. And I think with uh, a lot more awareness um, of all sorts of different issues, not just mental health, but uh, all sorts of issues that people are more willing to discuss. And I think um, especially at Chowers, I've never worked at an organisation where it's, it's championed in such a way that everyone should be aware of all sorts of different issues. You know, the diversity side of things at Trowers, I was so impressed by when I joined. And I've interviewed quite a few, you know, paralegals, trainees, um, senior associates for roles. And they've always, always commented on that side of things at Trowers and Hamlins. And and I really, really value that as an organisation. Like, I've never felt that there's anything about me that I can't discuss with someone without being you know, judged or uh, anything like that. So, yeah, I think it's definitely changed both in the profession but definitely at Trowers. Yeah, and I think, 
I mean, the other thing is people will say, oh, if I mention things like this, will this be a, a bar to me being recruited by Trous and Hamlins? Uh, will my boss think that I can't be promoted? Uh, will I be identified identified as the solicitor who has got XYZ issue rather than being identified as the solicitor who is a professional expert in leases or or whatever and I think it's always a fear isn't it that one becomes identified by one's protected characteristic rather than being identified as the person who is the specialist professional in a particular area but I think what you and I would both say Rue is we've managed to progress in our careers and that hasn't certainly held us back at Trous and Hamlin's. Not at all. I think the starting point is if the person who who's addressing the issue, so the person who might have mental health issues in their life or whatever else it might be, they must always feel comfortable talking about it. But provided that they are um, and want to, then um, th- those sorts of topics sh- should be open for discussion and it should never hinder anyone's professional career. If anything, it's, it's a part of who you are. It, it yeah. makes you the person that you are. And it's either, you know, your characteristic or something that shaped your characteristics. And therefore, um, as I say, you know, if the time is right and you feel able to, then why why shouldn't you be able to discuss it? I think um, otherwise it would be quite a dull, dull place to be in the workplace if you felt that you couldn't talk about the things that have played or are part of such a big part of your life. Do you think, Ruth, that there might be something to be said that bringing our human side to work can be beneficial for the business? I think so, because I think, you know, being able to be empathetic about things, certainly within the workplace, I think it creates a really good work environment where you don't feel like you're hiding things or aren't able to talk about things because that will affect, you know, your working day. And let's face it, we spend so much time at work that if you spend eight, ten hours a day trying to be someone that you're not, then I don't I can't really see how that would help you, both with your mental health as we're talking about it, but also, you know, it could affect your work um yeah. constantly on the edge. Um yeah. so I think you should always be able to feel comfortable, as I say, if you want to, to talk about things like that or know that there's someone that you can talk to. And it's completely right, isn't it, that we're saying to people, you don't have to, but if you feel comfortable, you can, and there is a space for it. And do you think there are any boundaries that we should, that people should apply or or we should apply? Um, as I say, this, the starting point should be that you should be comfortable talking about it. And I think always that if it does get to a point where there's something in your personal life that may affect your work or you may feel it may affect your work and then at that point you should always have sort of a safe space or a person that, and we have that within Trowers you know there's the mental health first aiders there's the various um, services that we can call on so I think you know you do have to be careful when it is something for particularly like mental health or other issues that are affecting your mental health that that you are able to speak to people um but yeah I think that is important I I agree. And, you know, I think Seabrooks has done a great job with rolling out the mental health first status programme. And, you know, I 
commend all our colleagues who are mental health first aiders. And we've got the employee assistance program and we've also got uh, speaking confidence. But, you know, at a hu- on a human level, you know, if you don't feel you can talk to your manager, you can always talk, maybe reach out to someone who's in one of the diversity networks um, to to talk about something if you feel worried about talking about it with your manager. Um, Andrew, do you think there are some things that we might share with colleagues, but we might not share with clients? Um, I think so. I think, I think, you know, there's that professional relationship with clients and I do know, and, you know, and myself as well, you do have certain clients you've worked with for a very long time and, and you do feel really comfortable with and that you would possibly share certain aspects of your life with. But I think ultimately, you know, I personally think you should always try and maintain those professional boundaries. But um, yes. ultimately, you know, it depends on your relationship with the client. I've got clients I've worked with for 17, 18 years, and I can have conversations with them. I've got, you know, clients that have come on board while I've been at showers that actually I've managed to have, I think I shared with you, conversations with after yes. meetings, which yes. actually... yeah. The client started and, and, and I was like, oh, you know, if the client's open to talking about certain topics, then go for it. Yeah. So have there been any occasions where you have felt you haven't been taken seriously, perhaps in your professional role, because you're a woman of South Asian heritage? Has, has that been more difficult for you on occasion? Um, I'm the sort of person that, you know, if I have a meeting or it's usually when I have meetings with people I, you know, that are not my clients. I've never had an issue with any of my clients, but I think I've had meetings before in the past where you do just sometimes have a bit of a needle afterwards when you walk in the room because because of my name, Rue. You know, people aren't always certain if there's a boy or a girl turning up for a start. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> and then when I when I walk in the room, uh, you know, and I don't, I've never felt uncomfortable, but some the odd meeting, and I've got to say, I'm really pleased to say it's rare and far you know not doesn't happen very often but there's been the odd meeting where at the end you do question whether some things that were said and whether it was not necessarily because I'm South Asian but maybe because I was a female and so yeah it's happened on the odd occasion and I'm really pleased to say it's really rare but yeah you do sometimes wonder afterwards and I normally just brush it under the carpet and think you know what I was there to do a job for the client and as long as I've done that then that's fine but you do have a little niddle in your head sometimes when you walk away. Well there is a lovely email that a client sent you, Rue, that I'm going to embarrass you by by reading out. Um, I hope you don't mind, which I thought was great because it said it was after a difficult meeting I think you'd had um, with some people on the other side and you were a bit worried uh, about how the client would react uh, because these people were being very difficult. And the client client said, don't change anything you do, Rue. Uh, you represent us superlatively. And if the other side are grumpy and complaining from time to time because they get to deal with a strong female role model, then they need to join the 21st century. Um, So that's a great accolade, I think, both to you and both to the client and also shows that actually our clients are in the 21st century. And I just wondered... I mean, talking about intersectionality, do you think that, say, the stigmatization of mental health issues, you know, in terms of what happened to your mother, 
um, for example, do they affect people of colour or people from less affluent socioeconomic backgrounds more severely? Um, I think so, and I think there's a history of that. And I think the intersection between sort of poverty and race as well exacerbates. I think it's about accessibility to mental health services. It's about knowledge of mental health services. I think there is a stigma within certain cultures I can only speak to you know my British Pakistani heritage um and I know things are massively improving and there's lots of groups out there that are trying to bring uh knowledge to my community uh, and you know in different languages now and different methods and that's fantastic um and 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 I see that but yes I think unfortunately the the sort of intersection between race poverty um, does exacerbate both um, issues around mental health and treatment of mental health. Yeah, sure. So one thing I was thinking, I mean, if we have colleagues at Trowers who have mental health issues, how can we be supportive without appearing perhaps nosy or intrusive or judgmental because I think that is a very typical reaction people say oh I don't want to I don't want didn't want to ask because it looks like I'm being prurient or nosy yeah Yeah. so so what would you suggest on a personal level um you know I I had some uh, reason to speak to someone recently about a, a mental health matter and I have to say I was absolutely flabbergasted at the amount of people that once I opened up was so happy to reach out in confidence with their own examples of mental health and it's people at the firm that you just think are absolutely you know strong uh, nothing could possibly affect them and then when you talk to them about mental health you realize it does on in so many people's homes and backgrounds but I think the main thing is knowing making it which towers do which is making it abundantly clear that um, it's not to be stigmatized and if you feel ready to talk about it you can do it with the mental health aid first aid workers you can do it in confidence through the employee assistance team you can speak to HR and I think it's just putting it out there to staff that the services are there and we very much want to help you because you know you're being well is of paramount importance and I think it's just constantly reiterating that message which um you know I went on I went to log a holiday today and a little reminder came up that mental health you know mental health week's coming up which was fantastic and I just think that constant sort of messaging sometimes almost subliminal um is um really important I agree completely and We have to remember that the solicitor's profession in particular suffers particularly from from mental health issues. Uh, You know, we are far more at risk than than many other professions. And so I was just going to conclude, Rue, by um, asking you whether you had any positive suggestions for colleagues. I would just say that my experience at Trowers um, of personally having wanted to talk to someone about something that was going on in my personal life more recent than my mum's example, um, it was just so positive. Everybody was so willing to talk to me and uh, be thoughtful and 
you know, refer me to different areas of expertise and advice and I was never judged. Um, and the support I got was absolutely fantastic, both from, you know, juniors, bless them, who were telling me about examples of their own mental health issues as students and things, right to the top. And I just think there's such a lovely working environment um, and I think people should just never be afraid to reach out if they are if they are struggling because it's just natural and it's not a weakness and it's not a stigma we all go through it and the best thing to do is to reach out if you feel you can and share with others um, because it's a weight off your mind sometimes Exactly. And I think we all recognise that times are much more difficult. There's much more strain in terms of mental health uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'd just like to conclude by thanking you very much, Rue, for your candour and your courage and your inspiration in, in sharing this with us today. And uh, to thank everybody who's listened um, and for their participation in Trowers Includes. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers Includes, international law firm Trowers and Hamlin's diversity and inclusion program. Find us at trowers.com forward slash Trowers Includes and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers hashtag Trowers Includes or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.